Welcome to First Mover. Week one is here. It's Tuesday afternoon as I'm recording. The preseason is over and the Cowboys and Buccaneers are playing regular season NFL football on Thursday night, followed by a full slate of week one games on Sunday. I'm Josh Larkey, the director of analytics at Player Profiler and Roto Underworld, and early each week I'll be walking you through individual players and their salaries that I'm targeting and avoiding, a brief rundown of any takeaways I had from the prior week's games, and then a look into the upcoming matchups and which games I'm expecting many, many fantasy points to be had and which games will <coughs> Broncos at Giants that I expect to be a total snooze fest in the fantasy points department. Also, I'll be back on the airwaves every Saturday with Mike Randall, so you'll have access to my thoughts two times each week rather than the two times each month routine that I fell into during the offseason. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at jlarkytweets. J-L-A-R-K-Y tweets. Now before we dive in, since it's week one, I'll give a quick two-minute primer on DFS as well as the key scoring differences between DraftKings and FanDuel, and why I generally make more money on DraftKings because of it. Daily Fantasy Sports, or DFS, is where you have a level playing field with everyone else at the start. Unlike a draft where you get your draft slot, and then you cross your fingers hoping it's the draft slot you wanted, in DFS, you have access to every player. And while you choose players purely based on projection and redraft, in DFS, you have another variable to keep track of, which replaces the snake draft aspect of redraft. And that's that additional variable is player salaries. On DraftKings, you have $50,000 to draft one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, one tight end, one flex, and one defense special teams. And players are, shall we say, they're roughly priced based on expected fantasy production. Now, as I alluded to before, I have done better historically on DraftKings, and we'll focus more of this episode on DraftKings rather than FanDuel. But but why, Josh? What's the difference? And why is your DraftKings ROI several times higher than your FanDuel ROI? I actually don't even know why that's the voice I chose for that bit, but moving on. The scoring for DraftKings is PPR. And for FanDuel, it's half PPR. So already the relative value of a touchdown is higher on FanDuel because if players are scoring more in PPR on DraftKings and a touchdown is worth six points on each platform, then relatively compared to how the player is scoring based on their usage, a touchdown is worth more on FanDuel. And I've talked at length during the offseason on my Codebreaker podcasts, part of the Roto Underworld podcast network, about why touchdowns are one of the more random events in football and why targets and carries and receptions and yards are much easier to predict. Also, DraftKings awards three-point bonuses if a player hits 300 passing yards, 100 rushing yards, and 100 receiving yards. Essentially, three extra points for elite usage and production, which is going to be more predictable than touchdowns. And because of these scoring differences, I tend to make more money on DraftKings as the research that I do is better suited to that platform for DFS. Let's jump in to DraftKings. We'll begin with quarterback. We have Mahomes at $8,100 at the top, and then the minimum salary at quarterback is $4,000. And that'll be random backups like uh, Jacoby Brissett, Mike Lennon, some fringier guys you've never heard of. And then uh, another guy that's towards the top, Josh Allen, is $7,400. I'm not really expecting to play a whole lot of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen this week. 
based on their matchup and their salary. But here's five guys that I do really like that I'm definitely considering some decent exposure to, potentially in some tournaments. Ryan Tannehill, $6,500. Russell Wilson at $7,000. Jalen Hurts at $6,400. Carson Wentz at $5,600. And then Mac Jones, kind of the budget quarterback at $4,400. And I'd say that while all of these guys are uh, they're technically cash game viable, uh, where you're competing basically against one other person trying to double up your money. Yes, in a tournament, you're aiming for max upside. Cash, you want a little more stability. I would say that uh, Mac Jones at 4400 Believe it or not, the rookie quarterback week one, I'd say he's cash viable. It doesn't seem like he was even priced as if he had, as if he's a starter. It's kind of weird, actually. 4400 Definitely would recommend Mac Jones. If you want just some, a safe Konami quarterback without overspending, you could go Russell Wilson, even in cash at 7000 We could go Jalen Hurts at 6400 Now let's move on to running back. Running back at the top of the salary chart, we've got Christian McCaffrey at $9,500. And then the minimum, just like quarterback, it's $4,000 for running backs. You're going to get your backups. Uh, guys you've probably heard of, Devontae Booker, Malcolm Brown, Ramondre Stevenson. And then again, dozens of other $4,000 backups. A couple of them, even I, hadn't heard of prior to looking at the, the player salaries. A few guys that I really like this week. Alvin Kamara, 8600 He's expensive, but remember, there's no Michael Thomas. He's going to have some outrageous usage these first few weeks of the season. Trey Kwan's not even 100% right now. There's just uh, Adam Troutman. I'm not even sure if he's playing. If he is, he won't be at 100%. There's not a whole lot of options, and Kamara's going to have a, an outrageous workload. There's also Aaron Jones at $6,800. He just seems mispriced. $6,800. I mean, this is Aaron Jones. For contrast, a guy that I'm fading on DraftKings, I mean, it breaks my heart. Love the guy, but this isn't, this isn't a, this is not redraft. This is DFS. We're working with player salaries. And for some context, Aaron Jones, 6,800. DeAndre Swift is $6,900. DeAndre Swift is more expensive than Aaron Jones. And I have Aaron Jones projected, uh, he's above Swift as he should be. I think pretty much everyone would project Jones above Swift. So Swift is kind of an easy fade for me this week. And I'd say Aaron Jones is a really good cash game running back as well, just because he's going to out-project his salary so greatly that he, he seems like a very high-floor, safe option. Another guy I really like is Miles Sanders in tournaments at 6500 He's kind of a nice intermediate price. He's going up against Atlanta. Falcons are not torching anyone with their defense. Raheem Mostert's another really interesting one, playing Detroit at 5800 He should get a lot of work week one. And again, it's DFS. We don't have to worry about these injury concerns with Mostert and how many weeks is he going to play until he's usurped by Sermon? Is that going to happen? We don't care. We're looking at this week and Mostert set up to smash against a below average defense in the Detroit Lions. And then uh, a nice budget running back who super cash game viable, tournament viable. This is a guy that you want to have in your lineups. Chase Edmonds at $4,600. The starting running back and a pass catcher in a PPR format, going up against the lowly Titans defense. That one looks like a smash to me. Moving on to receiver, we have Devontae Adams. He's $8,300. He's at the very top. The minimum salary at receiver is $3,000. A few guys you've heard of probably would be uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Muhammad Sanu, Amir Smith-Marset, a personal favorite of mine on the Vikings, and then J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Those are some of the 3000 receivers out there and also like I said before it's some guys you've never heard of and that maybe even I hadn't heard of few plays that I really like Calvin Ridley at 7,900 
He's going up against the Eagles. He's going to smash. We saw him without Julio last year, just absolutely crush, and Julio's gone. He's going to do it again this year. I really like uh, Tyler Lockett, 6,700. He's in a great spot against the Colts. They play a lot of zone defense, and Lockett and his great route running abilities, I expect him to find the soft spots and some of that coverage. So 6,700, looking like a good price. Looks like you're getting a little bit of the volatility discount from last year. LaVisca Chenault is at $5,000. Marvin Jones Jr. is at $3,600. I'd say those are both the better plays in Jacksonville compared to DJ Shark, who hasn't practiced in a while because he hurt his finger. He's at $5,800. So Chenault and Jones are less expensive. And at least for week one, they're probably better options in general. Then with the Steelers, I like Chase Claypool at $5,600 for a proper alpha receiver. They're going up against the Buffalo Bills. It's probably going to have a decent enough amount of scoring in that game. Someone's going to have to score some points. Very well could be Claypool. And he's at 5,600. Contrast that to Deontay and Juju at 6,300 and 6,200 respectively. So a little discount on Claypool makes him a little bit more attractive. Odell Beckham's $5,400. Another great salary there. Contrast that to Jarvis Landry, who's at 6,000. Jarvis Landry is, what, 10, 10, 15% more expensive than Odell Beckham? I would prefer Odell Beckham. We also have Corey Davis at 4,900, under 5K for the alpha receiver with the Jets. I like that price. Same with T. Higgins. T. Higgins, I think he's he should be the number one, at least this first week in Cincinnati, and he's 4,700. He's priced below Chase and Boyd. T. Higgins, 4,700, great price. Another starting receiver that's the wide receiver one in his offense, Devonta Smith at $4,500. Probably just a mispriced rookie where we at Player Profiler in Roto Underworld, we do a lot of research on these rookies and we know what they can do in year one. The the average uh, consumer may not. So 4,500 for Devonta Smith, it's a really solid price. Moving further down the salary tree, we have Michael Pittman at 4,100. Paris Campbell at 3,700. Some nice price tags on those starting Colts receivers. This one I actually double-taked when I saw it. Jalen Waddle. He was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Will Fuller, don't forget, is suspended week one. Jalen Waddle should see a healthy amount of targets in this matchup against New England. He is 3,600. Nice little sneaky play in tournaments. Same with in cash games. If you want to double up your money and you want to save somewhere to load up on studs like Devontae Adams and Ridley at receiver, throw a little Jalen Waddle in there, 3,600. Marcus Callaway, 3,400. The number one receiver in New Orleans. I get it. He's probably getting matched up with Jair Alexander, who, according to Cody Carpentier, is the best cornerback in the NFL. But, I mean, what if he's not matched up against him? Jair is not infallible. And Marquez Callaway at 3,400 for the number one receiver in a James Winston-led offense. You should be pulling the trigger. Two uh, final deep cuts. Rondale Moore at $3,000. We saw in the preseason he was used in a variety of ways. Some trick plays out of the backfield, running some wide receiver routes. He's very interesting with his usage and with his game-breaking 4-3 wheels to potentially uh, get a nice long touchdown at some point in that game. And next thing you know, that $3,000 Rondale Moore receiver is winning you a whole lot of money. Then the other 3,000 guy at the bottom, Quez Watkins. It's starting to look like he will be the starting wide receiver in Philadelphia. He has potentially even overtaken Rager. It's kind of to be determined, but $3,000 for Watkins. Moving on to tight end, we've got Kelsey at the top at $8,300. 
And tight end has a really wide range. We have Kelsey at the top at 8,300. And then $2,500 is the minimum for some of these bottom feeders. Like, uh, no offense. I mean, we all love bottom feeders. But uh, Ian Thomas, Thaddeus Moss, Ross Dwelly, Ricky Seals-Jones, some guys we've never heard of, those second, third, fourth string tight ends. I'll give you a few guys that I really like. I think Hawkinson at $4,900, that's a really good price. He's kind of priced based on usage, and it's sort of, it seems like they're assuming he's not going to score any touchdowns. Remember, it's PPR. Hawkinson is the number one receiving option in Detroit. We have Kyle Pitts at 4400 going up against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are, they do not look like they're going to be a great defense. Even week one, I wouldn't be shocked if Kyle Pitts is Matt Ryan's number two option in the passing game. So $4,400 seems like a really good price to potentially get that nice edge over the field at tight end. And then we have Gerald Everett, who's 3,400. He's another guy, kind of a budget tight end that I really like, just because we're, we're not really sure what his role is going to be in Seattle. So that Everett's kind of a nice tournament play where we don't know what his role is. There's a scary floor, but the ceiling is pretty high. He's very athletic. And then I'd say in cash, Someone like Hawkinson at 4,900 could be a decent cash play where you're getting pretty insane usage without uh, breaking the bank. And then here's kind of a fringe option that I'm intrigued by. Just kind of in general, I was intrigued by the Colts tight ends throughout last year with DFS and Mo Cox, very athletic, six foot five, big red zone threat. He's only $2,900. He had a hundred yard game last year, which I kind of use as a barometer for, is this tight end athletic enough? Does he have enough of wide receiver type usage to be potentially interesting? So Mole Cox is an interesting kind of deep sleeper for some tournaments if you want. 2,900. Pair him with Wentz if you want. And if Wentz throws a touchdown to Mole Cox, you are profiting. Then we have the defense and special teams. This will range from the 49ers at 4,200 down to the Bengals at $2,000. A few defenses I like. Uh, the Broncos, they're 3,300. So they're, they're on the more expensive side, but they are playing the New York Giants. The New York Giants may be the most dysfunctional offense in the NFL this year. Daniel Jones, no offensive line. Galladay's been missing practices with injury. Saquon was missing practices with injury. Sterling Shepard is frequently in and out of the lineup with injuries. Evan Ingram has a calf strain. He's probably not playing. The The Broncos could just have a total field day with that Giants offensive line. A lot of sacks. We know Daniel Jones has fumbling issues in his career. So really love, you, you got to pound the Broncos defense if you want 15 to 20 point upside with that position. Another good one is the Vikings at 3,000 against the Bengals. Kind of a big D-line offensive line mismatch that I like to target there. We know Burrow is not 100% healthy and confident right now in his repaired knee. And then the sneaky, uh, really budget defense special teams option would be the Jets. They're $2,400. They're going against the Panthers, which means uh, Sam Darnold. Last I checked, Sam Darnold has never been a good NFL quarterback. He's always been turnover prone. He's struggled with confidence. And I understand being higher on him this year than prior years. I am too. He's probably gonna have a better season this year than he has ever before with McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, but it's still Sam Darnold. And we like to target quarterbacks that we know are mistake prone. Insert the Jets at only 2,400. Moving on now to FanDuel. Just like DraftKings, you start... One quarterback, two running back, three receiver, a tight end, a flex, and then your defense special teams, and it's half PPR. However, on FanDuel, you have $60,000 to build your lineup rather than the $50,000 on DraftKings. So players will usually be a little more expensive on FanDuel to offset this. 
we can start with quarterback. It begins with Mahomes, the most expensive, $8,800, down to backup QBs that are at $6,000. Overall, though, it, let me say that again, it's much tighter on FanDuel than DraftKings with QB pricing. Mahomes at $8,800, the worst backup quarterback at $6,000. And remember, Mahomes was $8,100 on DraftKings, so very similarly priced. But then we had a guy like Mac Jones at $4,400 on DraftKings. If you're wondering what that means for you, the consumer, when you listen to that, what this means is that the higher-end quarterbacks are even more attractive on FanDuel. Because if all the players are closer in salary, then naturally you just want the higher-scoring players. Think about it like this. Basic example. If you knew that quarterbacks were between... 90 and 100 dollars they were like 90 91 92 98 100 dollars and they ranged from 25 fantasy points down to projected at 12 you would just always take the 25 fantasy point guy if their salaries were all within a few dollars of each other whereas what if now i said that their salary ranges from zero to 100 and that yes the very best guys are in the 90s they're $95. They're going to get you 25 fantasy points. But what if I said you could get 15 fantasy points for $3? Suddenly, suddenly you have a $3 quarterback with 15 fantasy points or a $95 quarterback at 25 fantasy points. And you're like, oh, I, I, could, I could take the budget guy. So now think about that example and let's scale it up to the DraftKings and FanDuel pricing. And that's kind of why if we have Mahomes at $8,800, backup QBs at $6,000. So the range is within $3,000, much tighter on FanDuel. When on DraftKings, we have Mahomes at 8100 Mac Jones at 4400 and we go from around a $3,000 price range to around a $4,000 price range. That is why on DraftKings, the, the less mobile, more budget quarterbacks can be more appealing on that platform as opposed to FanDuel. And a guy I like this week is Kyler Murray is very attractive on FanDuel, whereas he was not quite as interesting to me on DraftKings. Murray, he is $8,400. And also, because he's not as prolific of a passer as many other quarterbacks, losing the three-point bonus for 300 yards passing that DraftKings has but FanDuel doesn't, that's generally going to help a more mobile quarterback like Kyler Murray. So Kyler Murray's kind of double-helped on FanDuel by both not rewarding prolific passers and because the salaries for quarterback are tighter. Moving on to running back. The range, we've got McCaffrey, $10,400 at the top, backup running backs at 4500 I really like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's just the smash of all smashes. He's $7,900 on FanDuel. He was $8,000 on DraftKings. What? Half PPR benefits a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who likely won't catch as many passes as some other starting running backs. Yet he's more expensive on DraftKings, which is PPR. And you have $60,000 salary for FanDuel, $50,000 on DraftKings. So that just makes absolutely no sense. Total head scratcher. Stuff Jonathan Taylor into your cash game lineups, tournament lineups, everything on FanDuel. We can move on to wide receiver. The salary range, we have Devontae Adams at $8,600. Then all the random fourth, fifth, and sixth receivers on their own teams are about $4,500. We have Calvin Ridley. He's $8,100. Very similar to his $7,900 price tag on DraftKings. He is my absolute favorite play. Amazing on FanDuel. We know Ridley's caught a lot of touchdowns historically. He's the clear number one option in the passing game, and he's going against a porous Philadelphia secondary. Now let's move on to my favorite tight end play on FanDuel. So the range, we've got Kelsey at 8,500, down to the second, third, fourth string tight ends at 4,000. And my favorite tight end play is TJ Hawkinson. Once again, love TJ Hawkinson on both platforms. He's 5,700 
on FanDuel. And he's priced below both Kyle Pitts and Dallas Goddard. He He's more expensive than both those guys on DraftKings, but on FanDuel, cheaper than Pitts and Goddard, which uh, it's kind of just assumed the Lions are going to be an absolute trash offense against the 49ers in week one. But running the numbers, the $5,700 salary attached to TJ Hawkinson, that seems to account for his usage. But then any potential touchdown equity hasn't been properly priced in for him. Finally, we move on to the defense and special teams. The range is $5,000 for the 49ers, down to $3,000 for the Bengals. A couple defenses I like, the Broncos, again, just facing the Giants that are so incompetent. They're 4100 Another good one that I haven't talked about yet is the Pittsburgh Steelers against Buffalo. They're at Buffalo, but we know the Steelers are going to be a good defense. They've been a good defense almost every year of the past X number of years. They have insane talent, and... I think Josh Allen's really good, but what if last year was a fluke? Probably not, but what if Steelers make for a very interesting tournament in defense where they're kind of a mid-range price option, a talented unit going up against what we all, myself included, assume is a good offense, but Josh Allen prior to last year was turnover prone, decent amount of fumbles, and also the Bills pass a lot. And that's really what gives fantasy defenses fantasy points is it generally happens when a team passes because when you're passing... The quarterback can get sacked, the quarterback can fumble, and there can be interceptions. And because of that, generally, you don't want your fantasy defense going up against a team like the like the Ravens, who are just going to run the ball over and over again because there's very few ways that that defense can score fantasy points. So the Steelers going up against Buffalo at 4,000 are a very sneaky tournament play. Now let's move to just all the general Sunday matchups on this main slate. And I'll just quickly run through all of those. I'll start with the games I have my eye the closest on, and then afterwards I'll just briefly mention the other games that are happening. So first we have the Eagles at the Falcons. The line is Falcons minus four. And it's not super intuitive for those of you that are new to this. So when you see the line is Falcons minus four, that actually means the Falcons are favored to win by four points. And then you might see the over under Vegas game total at 48 points. That means that Vegas is predicting 48 total points are scored between those two teams. And that's a that's a decently high total. And I really like this game. We have a new offensive coordinator in Atlanta, Arthur Smith. He was formerly with the Tennessee Titans. He's generally regarded as a sharp offensive mind who seemed to get the most out of his players. And then on the other side, I believe the public underestimates Jalen Hurts and his abilities. And I know things like the Sean Watson rumors, those certainly didn't help his public perception, but he had a strong college profile. He's very mobile. He's got some decent arm talent, and he showed some pretty decent flashes last year in limited action. Overall, these are two decent enough offenses with two poor defenses. Definitely a game that I recommend stacking and targeting. Another one that's very interesting to me is the Cardinals at the Titans. The line is Titans minus three, so Titans to win by three. 45 total points projected by Vegas in this game, and I would take the over. I think this is a great game to target for stacks, especially on the Titans side because it's a hyper-consolidated passing game revolving around Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. So if you're trying to win a million dollars and you're creating a tournament lineup, you want to minimize the amount of things you have to get right. And if you have Tannehill and A.J. Brown as your, and you just lock those two in, if it's, a, if it's a big game, next thing you know, you have two players already that are hitting. And if the Titans score a lot of points, it's unlikely A.J. Brown puts up two for 20 yards. Just highly unlikely. So 
If you want to minimize the amount of things you can get right, you just say, I think the Titans are going to be passing a heck of a lot in this game, and it's going to be, they're going to smash the over on the 45 total points between these teams. Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Tannehill, Julio Jones, really good options. I also like Seahawks at Colts. The line is Seahawks to win by three, 48 and a half game total. This is a good game to target. There's some unknowns on how pass heavy Seattle will be. But remember, they came out with a bang last year. And I think this is a good game to get some stacks on both sides. Russ and the Seahawks pass catchers are reasonably priced. Wentz and the Indy receivers are just dirt cheap. And from what I've read, Wentz has been practicing fully on that surgically repaired foot of his of his for the past couple weeks. So he should be a full go for week one. Another game I like is Browns at Chiefs. Chiefs are supposed to win by six. It's a 53 point total. That is the highest on the slate. And you might be thinking, well, you don't like Mahomes? What is the the highest game on the slate? And you don't want Mahomes just shoved into every lineup? Yeah, I actually really like stacking uh, the Browns in this one based on cost. And you can run it back with Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey on the other end. So maybe uh, Baker, Mayfield, Odell, Beckham, Tyreek Hill beginning to your tournament lineup. And the reason for this is, from our research at Roto Underworld, and thanks to one of our analytics interns, Neil Gupta, we studied how quarterbacks often outperform their projected fantasy points when playing against a strong QB. And that's going to bode well for Baker Mayfield statistically when going up against a strong quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Another game where I'm not necessarily trying to stack this game into oblivion, but I think there's a few intriguing pieces. It's Packers at Saints. Packers are favored by four and a half, even though they're the road team. It's a 50-point game total, and like I said before, not necessarily a game that I'm eager to fully stack, but there's a few intriguing and strong individual pieces here, like Kamara, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, so it's at least an interesting game to keep your eye on with a high game total, but I still prefer even a game like uh, what I mentioned before with Eagles-Falcons. I prefer stacking that game as opposed to Packers-Saints. Then the other games on this slate, Steelers at Bills. Bills are favored by 6.5 points. And the game total is 48.5. That's decently solid. And these next six, we start to get into the clunkers of game totals. We have the 49ers at the Lions. 49ers favored by 7.5, which that kind of means the Lions are not expected to score very many fantasy points at all. And that's a 45-point game total. And that's kind of why I think DeAndre Swift is mispriced. DeAndre Swift, remember, on DraftKings was 6,900 when Aaron Jones was only 6,800. Yet Aaron Jones is playing on a team that's favored with a 50-game point total, Packers at Saints, yet 49ers at Lions, the Lions are projected to lose by 7.5 points with only a 45-game total. It makes no sense. Where are the fantasy points going to come for DeAndre Swift this week to help him outscore Aaron Jones? Then, really low game total, we've got the Chargers at the Washington football team. I was actually kind of surprised at the the game total was only 44.5. It's projected the Chargers to win by one and a half. The Chargers have a really stacked roster this year. They've been snake bitten by injuries the last few years, and it looks like they have it all put together this year. But Washington has a very competent roster as well. They have the killer defense, the massive quarterback upgrade in Fitzpatrick, some decent weapons with Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown, Logan Thomas. So I think 44 and a half, this game's probably going to go over, but again, still not a high game total, still not really... Because it's two strong defenses, it's not really the type of game that I want to target, but I could see Herbert and Fitzpatrick each each having three touchdowns to their name, and then next, you know, you're, you're well over 44 points. 
Next up, we've got Jets at Panthers. The Panthers are favored by five and a half, and it's only a 45-point game total. This one's probably a dud. I'm kind of intrigued to see Zach Wilson in his first NFL action, but and I know, yeah, it's, it could be fun to watch with the Darnold revenge game, but for DFS, where we're trying to really score a lot of fantasy points, I just don't see this game having that many fantasy points in it overall. Then we have Jaguars at Texans with the Jags favored by three points. I mean, that's a boring game. 45-point game total. Yeah, I think I'm going to sit that one out. Not going to have too much exposure to anyone there. Probably a little bit of, I think, Chenault and Marvin Jones are priced uh, a little bit egregiously on DraftKings. But overall, not a game I'm looking at too much. Dolphins at Patriots. This is, uh, yeah, I, I don't have too much to say about this one. It's a 43.5 total. Patriots favored by three points. I would probably avoid most of the pieces in this game. Mac Jones, really cheap. Jalen Waddle, really inexpensive too. But not necessarily a game that you want to do any type of big game stacks on just because the total's so low and neither looks like a particularly prolific offense. And then I think this is just the the clunker of all clunkers for, for winning a million dollars in DFS would be Broncos at Giants. Denver, the road team is favored by two and a half points, 42 and a half game total. And this is it's just not a great scene. You should probably play the the Broncos defense against Daniel Jones. That's about all the insight I have on that one in terms of which skill position players you can target and how to how to think about stacking that game is you you probably shouldn't. We have the Broncos defense which we know is good and then the Giants defense is actually emerging. They weren't half bad last year. I wouldn't really recommend loading up or anything like that or even playing the the Giants defense just because Teddy Bridgewater is not a big turnover quarterback. So yeah, just sit this one out and play the Broncos defense. And that that's about it. And before we go each week, I'll give you kind of a bold early prediction that I believe in. It's not necessarily going to match up with my projections. I'm not going to be projecting a guy with a bold prediction, but LaVisca Chenault going up against this dreadful Houston Texans team that's going to want nothing to do with him. They're not going to want to tackle this 230-pound athletic freak. LaVisca Chenault, over 20 fantasy points in week one.